It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Paul Dottino and Super Bowl champion tight end Howard Cross here on the Giants huddle with a rapid reaction to the Giants season ending 22-7 to loss to the Washington football team that drops the Giants to 4-13 and here at the end of the season. Howard, similar story in that the defense tried to hold up as long as they could. Then the dam broke in the fourth quarter. But simply put, the offense could not get the wheels turning at all. And this is something that obviously is going to have to be addressed in the offseason. Well, you know, to be quite fair to everyone that, you know, involved, the first off, uh, Jay Fromm, nice kid, like him a lot. Been here for three or four weeks. No way for him to learn the offense. As a kid who who's coming from a system where he was looking at the sideline to get the play, and then turn around and call it. That's what they do in college. That's not what they do in the NFL. So he had a hard time. And trying to get him to have enough plays to learn was tough. Going back to Glennon, uh, historically, you know, nothing against Glennon either, but Glennon's a like 5 and 25 or a 6 and 30 kind of quarterback. Doesn't have a great winning percentage. Uh, so he that wasn't his big move in, in life. So that's a problem. Um, as far as the offense goes as a whole, Saquon came in for the season late. Uh, he missed four, missed early four, you know, four games early on. And then once he kind of got himself rolling, he sprang his ankle against Dallas, missed another four weeks. So he didn't really get going. So that, that takes away from him. He's been kind of running on a hobbled leg all year. Offensive line. Basically, uh, I think there was maybe in 20 different combinations or 20 different players. I think uh, one, the one and only player who started every game was was um, um, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, and the only player who really was a dominant player the whole time was, was Thomas. So that's it's impossible to play with with that going through the entire year. As far as as far as uh, receivers and everything goes. Uh, you have Galladay, you have all these different guys. A lot of them are hurt, whether it's a hamstring or some soft tissue issue uh, towards the end. I think even Shep towards Achilles at the end of the year. So you're never at your full tilt with your receivers. You're never at your full tilt with your line. You're never at your full tilt with your quarterback. Daniel, and I'm praying for him because he has a neck injury. I don't make light of anybody with a neck injury. You had a lot of injuries. Everybody has them, but the team wasn't constructed in a way to, you know, be prepared for if that many people went out. Uh, I know a lot of teams find a way, but we just weren't in the position for it. As you look at this offense now going into the offseason, clearly they've got to add people along the offensive line without question, whether it's the draft or free agency, whatever they've got to do. They need people there. Aside from that, if they were to straighten that out with whatever resources they have, do you think the other units on the offense, if they come back healthy, are enough to get where the Giants want to go? I mean, the big thing is you got to be able to keep your quarterback upright. You can't put him at risk every game because he's one of your top or leading rushers. If you're running game, meaning your running backs are doing okay, then you can. It's going to be if your offensive line, someone asked me the question earlier, who would make the biggest difference on the Giants? And I said, yeah, draft a kid from Alabama, the left tackle. Bump Thomas to right tackle. You, Neil. Yeah, you, you draft him, and all of a sudden you change your, the, the flow of your entire team just with one player because he will he will help your offensive line that much. Uh, there's not a lot of guys in the draft. You, 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 usually you're talking about a quarterback that does that. 
or some phenomenal defensive end or something. But that left tackle, that kid is a monster. He got great feet. I don't think he gave up maybe one pressure in the entire season, maybe four his entire career in Alabama. When you get a guy like that playing, that guy changes your changes everything. And you know, if he can stay healthy, you know, if he stays healthy for five years, ten years, twenty, fifteen years, that changes the entire offensive line just by itself. One person can actually do that. He's that good and he's that transformative of a player. As far as, you know, can they be better? Um, Kenny Galladay was going to have to figure out a way how to like rejuvenate himself. I know they paid him a lot of money. I know he's supposed to be their the big play receiver, but the, the term that's used all the time is he's a great guy with the 50-50 ball. 50-50 ball means he's not open. Like I'd like to see him open more. I'd like to see him. He was open a couple times. They missed him a couple times deep today, but it can't be the 50-50 ball is the only thing you see out of him. Kadarius uh, Tony has to show up. I mean, he, he, he played a few games. He's an exciting player. He can be a phenom, but he has to show up. He can't be a four-game-a-season or a six-game-a-season guy. He's going to be a 17-game-season guy. He's going to be a 15-game-season at, at, at worst. You can't have all these injuries. And I know injuries aren't something that you can control or that you can, that you can forecast, but I, I will say this from a player that played for a long time. If you're injured at something, you're kind of always injured at something. If you're not ever injured, you're almost never injured. And that's kind of how it rolls. Howard, we talked about this one time on Big Blue Kickoff Live, I believe, with a personal trainer who said he thought that during the off season, a lot of players would be better suited to take specific football training skills in the off season, so that too many of them are taking generic strength and conditioning programs, and maybe that's part of the reason why across the league so many guys are getting hurt because they're not taking the proper off season training. Do you subscribe to that theory, and could that make a big difference? I don't subscribe to that. I was a martial artist. I played basketball. I did everything. I think the thing that really it makes a difference is actual real weightlifting as opposed to like. Uh, dragging sleds and doing all these different things, pushing, the pulling, the power, the explosion lifts. Well, those are things that are more football-related because football is an explosion, quick, quick-hitting moment. You kind of have to have that. A lot of guys practice their running and sprinting because they want to look good running and sprinting and cutting, but you got to be able to explode off the ball like like, like a guy jumping for a rebound uh, is the, the adjective or, or the view that I look for, or a guy who's breaking to, to slap a, a cross-court shot with a forehand or a backhand from a standing position. You've got to be able to explode instantly. And most of your uh, most of your lifts and stuff in the old days were designed for that. Your squats, your cleans, your pushes, your pulls were designed for your shoulders. You had a lot of neck exercises. That's what we did because that's what we wanted to do as, as players. Now they, they went from static stretches to dynamic stretches and movement. I did martial arts for 15, 20 years. Just sit down and stretch. That's how I did it. But it's just different. People see a few things, they think it works better, and then they go with it. Two guys in the offensive backfield. You've already mentioned Saquon Barkley. Give me your take on Devontae Booker and how he helped himself this year with what he did for the Giants. And also, 
obviously Daniel Jones, whose, whose uh, season was interrupted because of the neck injury. Uh, Booker really helped himself out a lot, but he, he kind of followed up what he did with Jake about it at, at, and uh, when he was with the Raiders. He's a consistent back. He, he runs really hard. He doesn't have a lot of moves and a lot of cuts. He's a put your foot in the ground and head up field, make a quick decision, and, and that decision he sticks with it. He's very patient. He follows his blocking because he doesn't have the jump around, cut around stuff in the system. So that's good. Uh, but, you know, he helped himself out a lot. He had a lot of good games. Caught the ball well out of the backfield. Picked up the blitz and people were blitzing. He did everything that was asked of him. And the biggest thing he did, he stayed healthy. And the great ability that any player has is availability. And, he, and that was big on, on Booker. As far as Daniel goes, I believe Daniel could be a, a, a above average quarterback. I think he could be a good quarterback. I think I don't know if he could be very good because I haven't seen him play a full season. Uh, I think he has a good arm. Has a great long ball. It's pretty accurate on the short passes. But when you're running and scrambling, and, and the more times you get hit, the more your feet start to move. The more your feet start to move, the more mistakes you're gonna make. Um, I think the big thing with him is he's a big tough guy, and he's used to running over guys and sticking guys. Gotta let that go. You gotta learn to get down. You gotta take what you can get. And even if they're calling you on a third and four, they, it's a design run. If you, only got, if you can only get three yards, take the three. Don't try to get the four. I mean, I know it looks good and your team really pulls for you, but uh, you're not the person to be risking your body in those scenarios. All right, let's talk about the defense for a minute, Howard. Uh, they certainly could use another pass rusher, and they could use another clogging run stopper, although Blake Martinez is able to come back. That guy's good for 140 and 150 tackles a year. But I do think they could use some more beef up front. If it's if it's me on the defense, and if I'm, if I'm looking at players right away, I'm gonna I'm gonna draft a, a linebacker, an inside linebacker, an interior guy that I know that's gonna be there, a young guy that can be beside Blake, with Blake, or even compete with Blake. Uh, I'm gonna draft a guy that's gonna be a, a true run stopper up front. No offense to the guys we have, I've seen too much push up the field for them, and they they know what they're watching. That's well, what somebody like Snacks. Somebody like Snacks or somebody even bigger, stronger, that, that's going to make a difference. Somebody that's not going to be giving up uh, three yards or four yards, getting pushed in the backfield. Can't do it. And if you and if you can't do it, you don't have to worry about it. So right now, they're missing that. And every year they'll have a guy, but unfortunately, through salary cap restriction and everything, you got to let them go to another team. They did it with William Joseph. They done it. Linval Joseph, I mean, they did it with... Uh, Tomlin last year, just just part of it. You can't pay everybody. Now, what about the pass rushing component here? Ojolari showed some things as a rookie. Quincy Roche showed some things as a, as a young rookie as well. Uh, and Lorenzo Carter came on strong in the final month of the season. How, how do you size up that outside linebacker spot, and is it imperative that they add more? Uh, yes and no. I think I think if you can sign Lorenzo Carter, I think if he bets on himself and stays, because this is his first year, he's really healthy uh, coming up, then you can get one more really good year out of him. As far as uh, the other guys go, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think you got to have a lot of pressure up the middle, and that gives the guys on the edge, you know, the best chance. These guys are definitely doing great running around the edges and curling in. If the back goes, the quarterback goes right or left, they get to him. 
But the big thing that they're going to have to figure out is not so much the pass rush, but how to hold up on the edges on the run game. You can't be giving up 200-plus yards a game. You can't be giving up the edge for guys. And that's going to be something they're going to focus on. I don't know how you practice it every day because you don't get to practice it physically, but you got to do it. As far as the pass rush goes, they keep lifting, keep getting stronger. They're going to keep getting better. The secondary, after Peppers got hurt, we saw McKinney move into that starting lineup with Logan Ryan. We saw Dory Jackson, who missed some time with injury and COVID. And we saw James Bradbury on the other side, who had a down year compared to the year before. But the starting four in the secondary looks to be solid. They've got some young guys with Williams, with Robinson, with Holmes. Seems like there's some depth there. It's okay. they got to sure up those edges. They can't be giving up big plays. We, you, there's no bend but don't break mentality. That's stop mentality. And Bradbury's going to go back and look at some tape and decide, you know, hey, am I going to be that shutdown guy again and travel with the, with the top receiver? And I think he can do that. I think he has another year or so of that in, in his system. As far as the safeties goes, you have some of the best safeties. You didn't mention Julian Love. He played had a, had a great year this right. year when, when called in the service. He was, he was more than serviceable. So you got some good players all sprinkled across. you got some great players in a couple positions. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, who comes back and what they come back as when they get here. All right. Got to ask you about the culture situation, Howard, because it's clear that the players played and fought till the end. They certainly were unified. I didn't see any finger-pointing coming from anybody in this locker room. And as Joe Judd says, that's an important component you have to have if you're going to build and take the next step. How important do you think it was that this team did stay unified? I don't know if it's unified or what it is. I just know that guys realized that they were shorthanded. And by being shorthanded, guys were like lifting a little heavier, trying to make it work. That's more of what it was than, than so much quote-unquote culture. There was a lot of guys going, okay, we just lost another lineman. They're like, okay, now the receiver's not playing. Okay, now, you know, so-and-so just got hurt his elbow. Okay, Blake Martinez just blew his knee out. Guys, you know, for whatever they were worth and their abilities, they played to the abilities they used, like Crowder, used everything he had. May not, he's not a Blake Martinez. But whatever he had, he gave every ounce he had. So that that it's not a question of them being unified or not. It's them, they gave everything they had to give the entire time. I don't think guys do as much finger pointing as, as you see used to see in the old days because guys were on the field the whole time and they would know everything that was going on. Now you have, I've said this a million times, now you have athletes more so than football players. So the athletes are only called for a play here, a play there, maybe a half a series here, a half series there. Ain't no fear point because they're not in games long enough to know what the other guys are doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Rapid Reaction. Again, after the Giants fall to Washington 22-7 to in the season finale. Howard Cross, as always, we thank you for your time. It's been a great season. Have a healthy and happy offseason. We'll see you next time.